0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Shake Sales. I'm your host, Maggie, and today I am super excited to talk with Moore. Moore is the founder of From Demo to Close, where he helps AEs close 50% or higher of their sales demos. He also helps reduce the sales cycle and helps them build a bigger pipeline. So, Moore, thank you so, so much for being here today. Do you mind taking time to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so prior to, prior to launching my company, it's been 12 months exactly since I launched my company. I was a uh, multiple VP of sales for a few startups. Um, uh, three, uh, two out of the three, I tripled ARR in, in one year for them. Uh, majority of the revenue that these companies um, created or closed came from the demos that the reps gave. Not necessarily... One call closed, but you had to give a demo in order to create an opportunity and follow up and close. And the worst person on the team closed 50% of every sales demo they gave. Um, and so I launched a business FTTC from demo to close last year, teaching reps how to get better at give jaw dropping demos um, where they don't have to use like high pressure sales tactics to close the prospect, but use discovery and research to properly lead the, the prospect to a close. Um, and so I work with individual reps, and then I also work with companies who roll out sales coaching for their team, like Nailshake.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Such an impressive background, Moore. And yeah, Moritz has had the chance to coach our team. We've been really, really lucky. Um, and every time that I got into one of his sessions, I always felt like he nerded out on Discovery, which is my favorite part of sales. And I'd argue probably more that it's also your favorite part of sales, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So to kind of get into the first couple of questions here, one thing I love that you've mentioned a few time, a few times on your LinkedIn posts or on podcasts that, um, AE should take advice from therapists in their discovery. So can you just elaborate a little bit more on that?
1: Yeah. So I've never been to a therapist, but I know people that went to therapists and watch shows and movies about therapy and, um, they go to therapists and, most of the time, the therapist is really just asking sort of like this like, open-ended question, like, how does that make you feel? And then they listen. And then based on the response that they get, they, they don't go to their next other question. They really stick on that question and go a deeper. So how does that make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel horrible. Well, when you say horrible, how do you mean? Like therapists do this. And they're very patient. They don't judge. Um, and so that plays really well in discovery. Um, play a therapist by asking a question, shutting your mouth, listening, seeing if you can dig a layer deeper into the answer that the prospect gave, if not move on to your next question and then take a lot of notes, which therapists do. They take a ton of notes. And then after they're done with all their questioning, they essentially guide you into how to approach life. In this case it would be sales. Totally.
0: Totally. Totally. Uh, yeah, like a decision from there, and I think one thing that uh a s can take advice from therapists um and from someone who's been to therapy before but <laughs> but you had the right idea, everything that you just said resonated um but one thing that they should really take advice from is I think showing up to a situation where you may have heard someone's problem before but really acting like you haven't, and not saying you're pretending like that problem you never like understood it before, like therapists get you know, people that come in there because they have addiction problems or relationship problems or things like that. And they've probably heard people talk about those things before, but it's best to kind of walk into that situation to make sure, hey, like, let's pretend like this is the first time that someone's actually uncovering it because it probably is. Um, but would you agree that's true too?
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and I you know, when I coach AEs, a lot of times I, I tell them to ask a particular question and they're like, yeah, but like I've done this a thousand times. And like, I'm like, yeah, but the prospect doesn't know this. Like it's it's your it's not your first rodeo. So for you, it's obvious, but sometimes a lot or a lot of times it's not obvious to the prospect. And when you're asking a question, even though, you know, the answer to it, it's more important for the prospect to sort of verbalize it and communicate it out loud. Um And that could be a discovery question. That could be um I mean, it comes down to discovery, right? So, um, asking a prospect <laughs> discovery question that it—it's like why would I ask it if it's an obvious answer? It's like no, it's 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 on purpose. It's for the prospect, not for you.
0: Totally, yeah, absolutely. I think it also gives reps like confidence. I think if you think about it in that way, like, hey, this is the first time someone's actually realizing this problem. You know so much about it, but still ask those questions to hear them say it, to get them to have it to to say it out loud. But you've been through this process before, so I think it just. You know, for me, when I first was realizing that, it just gave me confidence to ask those questions um, and, you know, listen to what they might say. But we talked about, you know, how this relates to therapy, um, discovery in general, and then also, you know, and that's part of like asking questions, being patient, listening for responses, digging deeper. Um, but I know you teach a lot on tone. So how does, I, and I know a couple ways that you define tone is voice sentiment, pace of speech also your pitch. So how does tone play in a part of, you know, making a good discovery?
1: Yeah. I mean, it takes me back to when I was in high school and we had this, um, SAT teacher, math teacher who was a principal. But he was also the SAT teacher. Um, and he was very, very monotone. And I would, I would remember me and the entire class were just fall asleep. It was boring. Um, <laughs> because there was no contrast in his voice. Um, And so it's like listening also to just a a static white noise. Like there's no contrast. So there's no rhythm. There's no, you can't connect to it. It's not catchy. Um, and so that's tone also. And tone with the way people speak also is, is catchy. If someone is monotone, you're more likely to just stay in the constant state of mind. Like, Oh, okay. But if they start fluctuating their voice, it almost takes you on a ride. Like, like a song, right? A song takes Mm -hmm. you on a ride. And so, um, if uh, t- tactically speaking, what do I mean by this? If you want to sound more curious on a sales call or more interested in the prospect, then one of the things that you should do is you should have a curious tone of voice. So if, let's, I'll we'll do an exercise that I have in one of my courses, but mm-hmm. um, let's just say you want to ask a prospect, Hey Maggie, I'm curious. Um, what's the reason you're looking into a solution like ours? Let's just say that's the sentence. I'm curious. What's mm-hmm. the reason you're looking into a solution like ours. Now there's two ways you can ask that question. One without tone of voice that makes it sound like you're actually not curious or one with the right tone of voice that makes it sound like you're curious. So we'll do the non curious or the non curious monotone tonality. Maggie curious. What's the reason you're looking into a solution like ours? That's monotone. You don't really sound curious. It almost sounds robotic versus mm-hmm. Hey Maggie curious. What's the reason you're looking at a solution like ours? I sound more curious. Just a little pitch of my voice, a little fluctuation. Um, If you want to – some people don't like this movie, but whatever. I like it. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. He uses a lot of tonality in his sales pitches. So if you really want to drive home some sort of like uh, punchline, slowing down your speech to make a point really matters. That's the tonality. (laughs) So it it drives it home. It adds some drama. It creates sort of this like rhythm behind what you're saying and with – a really good song has a really good rhythm is really catchy. And same with how you speak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even the first way that you said it, where you were saying monotone, like, Hey Maggie, I'm curious being that monotone. It just came off to me. Like you don't care. Um, And maybe not everyone thinks that way, but when you said it to me like that, I'm like, they're not actually curious. They don't care. They're just asking this question because they're a sales rep that has to ask the question. Um, So do you feel like that, Like for someone who maybe has never thought about this before, like what's – how do you – I guess like how do you start incorporating tone? Like what's one thing that they can do to start incorporating tone in their demos?
1: Well, it's like a tactical way of doing it. So there are certain words that naturally when you use – when you insert the word into your sentence, your maybe subconscious mind will just pick up on it and start changing its voice. Um, So like let's do an experiment. I want you to say in in your natural approach, I'm shocked, I never knew that. In however you want to say. Imagine I told you so like before you actually imagine I told you something crazy. Now I want you to say, I'm shocked I never knew that.
0: More, I'm shocked, I never knew that.
1: So was that natural or you forced it?
0: I forced it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'll I'll tell you what I'm trying to get at. There are certain words like I'm shocked. Like If you notice when I said I'm shocked and I'm repeating it over and over naturally, my mm-hmm. eyebrows sort of go up and my eyes widen. I'm shocked. Um, if I want to use the word I'm curious in a sentence, I'll say the word curious just forces you to sound curious. So I'm curious. I am mean, no, no, no. It just mm-hmm. forces you to it. So find words where it actually forces you to use just natural tone of voice. So curious is another is one of them. Um, if, you hear, if you're hear if you just talking to like a friend and you want to ask them a question, they'll say... The word "by the way," but with the right tonality, you'd say "by the way." It's like it's just like a thought that just pop into your head, mm. and so find words like "by the way," "curious," or "I'm curious," or "I didn't know that." Certain words that you can practice on your calls. "Curious" would be a great one, and "by the way" would be yeah. a great one because that's a great way to have natural, um, curious discovery questions. Another thing you can tactically do is. Take a talk track from your call that you're like, hey, I sounded sort of monotone here and I'm, I, can't, I don't know how to take that talk track and make it sound interesting. Take the transcription, put it on a Google Doc, and then obviously edit the grammar and then find areas of that transcription talk track, that paragraph that you could have inserted tonality. So let's just say I'm looking at our notes that you send me here. Moore is the founder of From Demo to Close, where he helps AEs close 50% of their sales demos, okay? I'm, look, I'm looking at that right now. <laughs> so let's just say I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? I really want to stress the he helps AEs close 50% of their sales demos. 50% mm-hmm. of the sales demos is the punchline. So that gotcha. needs to have a lot of more tonality. What I would mm-hmm. do then, I would just bold it and increase the size. So when I'm reading it, it would say, Moore is the founder from, of From Demo to Close, where he helps AEs close 50% of their sales demos. So take the words, put the transcription on a Google doc and highlight the words that you want to practice using tonality on and then practice that way.
0: Yeah. I love it. Love it. Great tips. And you even started using your hands, which I'm yeah. so guilty of doing, <laughs> <laughs> doing in, in discovery and demos. Um, so I'm glad I'm not alone with that. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think Uh, a lot of, from what you said too, some of them come from like I statements. So like, I'm curious, or I just wanted to know, or, um, things like that. So it's kind of easy to remember that for reps that are listening to this right now, it's like something you can just include in the beginning of a sentence to make it sound different than just like, Hey, I'm curious. Um, but sweet. Thanks for going through that. And, you know, we talked about, you know, asking good questions, being patient, kind of like a therapist, and then also the tone uh, of what makes really good discoveries. But, Um, you always talk about good discovery leads to better demos and then ultimately closing more deals. So outside of the things that we just talked about, like what's, what really separates a good discovery from a bad discovery?
1: Yeah. So good discovery is, um, specific. You're, you're asking very specific questions versus very broad questions. Like tell me about your business. That's, Mm -hmm. it's a question sort of, but it's a very broad question that, can take the prospect anywhere. Um, so good discovery says, hey, I noticed on your website that you do XYZ in your business. I'm curious, and then ask your discovery question. So use using context to make your question more specific. Another uh, differentiator between good discovery and bad discovery is good discovery is more open-ended, which means it causes the prospect to answer anything other than yes or no. It causes them to give you very specific information, maybe tell a story what how when who where so how are you doing that today what's your current process when are you looking to make a decision who's who else is involved the prospect can't say yes or no they have to give you a fuller answer that's a big bigger differentiator um also knowing when to dig deep like i think this one's hard because it's this comes with experiences knowing how much you should dig on your discovery how many questions to ask before Ending the discovery, not ending the discovery, but before moving on. Um, And sometimes you just have to feel it out. It's more of a gut feel on a call and that requires just experience. Um, Good discovery also doesn't force questions. If you feel like you're, there's a question that there's more questions that you should ask, but the prospect based on their body language and tonality, they're looking to get off the call or look at the demo, whatever it is it's it, you should have the acumen to say you know what i'm going to hold off on the rest of the questions and then sprinkle them later on in the call um so there's a few things
0: gotcha so having context before going into it asking open ended questions when to know how to dig and then also making sure that you're reading the other person from what it seems like
1: mhm yeah absolutely there's more but these are like the three yeah, that yeah. I, I i see <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess it's just more curiosity because I've totally been on one of those calls before.
1: Notice where... what you did there? You used tonality naturally. I guess it's Ooh. just more curiosity. No, no, no. No, 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 no. That was natural tone of voice. I guess it's just curiosity forced you to speak in a very curious tonality.
0: It's more as coaching. You could you could <laughs> learn within five minutes after
1: <laughs>
0: implementing it already. No, no. Uh, but I am curious because I've been on demos before where I am getting that read from another person on the on the other side, the prospect where you know they feel like, is Maggie gonna ask me another question? Have you ever had situations where you kind of called yourself out almost like, yeah hey, and do you feel like that helps like that whole scenario, or what do you think happens then?
1: Yeah, one thousand percent. I think you should call out elephants in the room um, mm-hmm. but a lot of the things that I teach in my course and in my coaching is more, is very preventative. I mean, like mm-hmm. not don't figure it's less about how to solve the problem after you screw up. It's more about how do you prevent screwing up? So you don't have that problem to begin with. One mm-hmm. of the ways I would recommend is if you want to have permission to ask your discovery questions without having the prospect say, ah. so I can ask me other questions now mm-hmm. um, is set the objective of the call early on, like mm-hmm. tell the prospect, the intent of the call. So, Hey Maggie, the, the goal of today's call is for me to learn a little bit more about, your, your business. I know you shot me over an email with some information. If it's okay with you, I just have a couple more questions. Mm. Is that okay? You'll say yes. And then now I have permission to ask my questions. If at one point I feel like I am, I'm bombarding you with questions. I may ask the question, like, by the way, I'm so sorry. I'm bombarding with questions. That's the only way I can actually show you value on the demo for you to say, Hey, this works for us or not. Mm Um, I've used, um, funnier or like different types of approaches i would ask somebody hey i've actually done this i would get on the call and i'll say hey have you seen have you ever watched the movie ace ventura for everyone everyone listening they know what ace ventura is with jim carrey it's an old movie it's funny, or funny. they're like mm-hmm. yeah of course i'm like do you remember the scene in the movie where ace is on a, in a crime scene and they ask his opinion and he takes a deep breath and then he says everything he has to say on that one breath he goes
0: oh yeah and then he just
1: talks <laughs> And they're like, yeah, ha ha ha. I'm like, that I can get like that sometimes on calls. So if you feel like I'm overdoing it, just let me know. So I'll, I'll crack a joke, uh, um, sort sort of self deprecating humor on a call. Um, yeah, I think that's very important. Setting yeah. disclaimers like that, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there there's I, I like the way that you put it. It's kind of like a disclaimer, or um, you know, there's certain parts I'm thinking of when I used to demo of just like, oh, I know that there's this part that I don't like um, you know, that I have to bring up to them, like reporting, for example. I just like never know what to show someone in reporting. And I asked them, and I that's kind of how I ask the question, like, hey, we have so much reporting. Like, what do you actually want to see? Otherwise I'm gonna feel bad about showing you too much of it. And I'd kind of ask it in that way.
1: Yeah, but the way you just presented that scenario to me is how I think you should present it to a prospect. Like yeah. imagine on a demo like more so there's there's something I need to show you, but like I hate showing this because of whatever it is that you're feeling, mm. share that emotion with a prospect. It makes it more authentic and real and conversational.
0: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also would agree to, we could talk about this all day, but it's the last thing I'll say, <laughs> is um, when people are coming to your demo and they've looked at competitors, like call that out. Like, Hey, you've probably been seeing the same things like X, Y, and Z, like... I don't know, but I always like to say that too, because I've been in the sales process probably not as much as other people have in senior positions, but where I'm like, I already saw that, or I already know about this, or, and it's just like, everything starts blending together. So I think calling that out also just makes you stand out from the beginning too.
1: Referring to like the competitors?
0: Yeah, like competitors, like if they've looked at competitors before, or they've already been on like five demos of a sales engagement tool, and then they come to me.
1: So I like to take my own my personal experience with my day-to-day interactions with people and or other companies and vendors, and then mm-hmm. pay attention to that and say, hey, what did I like about that? What did I not like about that? Mm-hmm. For example, in the last two weeks, I booked a few calls with some like marketing agencies, mm-hmm. and they're all sort of similar, but they all have like, their unique offering, mm-hmm. and I did three or four calls. And the week ended, and I looked at my wife, and I said to her, wow, "I'm just so overwhelmed. There are like all these companies that they all look good, sound good, have, but I'm not sure which one's the right fit. And I don't know how like they compare to each other. Like I know which what each one costs and what they do, but like I don't technically know how that can benefit me in my use case. And yeah. none of the those companies actually brought up the competition, and I would have liked them to, because mm. I would have liked them to educate me about, hey, more." Besides us, who else are you evaluating? Um, the only reason why I ask is I know you're probably going to sit on a few b- bunch of calls. And one of the most annoying things possible out there is to go through a bunch of demos. They all look good and not know which product to pick. And so I'll make yeah. this easy for you, even if it were not a fit for you. I'll mm-hmm. be like, holy shit. Yes, fine. Here's what I'm looking at. Here's what I like about them. I mean, educate me. Tell me. Like, I'm, I'm interested in making the right decision. Um, yeah. Because especially if you're in SaaS, which most of your listeners are. Mm-hmm. SaaS is a really interesting industry because if the company doesn't perform, if they don't m- match their expectations or meet their expectations based on what the salesperson pitched on the demo, then that customer cancels their account. Yeah, they churn, and then they—if they really had a shitty experience—they leave a bad review, and you've, mm-hmm. that's it. They blacklist you. Yeah. So SaaS is an in- 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 interesting, interesting industry because it's in your best interest to give the prospect the best experience possible. Otherwise they cancel. And so I don't know why I was going with this. I completely, my brain (laughs) went completely dark right now.
0: No, but I think just bringing up and calling, calling that out of like, I think it's like just letting, you know, recognizing the elephant in the room. It's like, yeah, there are all these competitors. Um, We know people that are, you know, or in SAS for the same types of things, and at the end of the day, like I would rather be on a demo with someone that calls that out instead of just pretending like it's almost not there either um yeah,
1: yeah, yeah and I think for some for some buyers, they don't like telling the salesperson mm-hmm. who they're evaluating as if they're going the salesperson's <laughs> going to ambush them later on, but that's why I think if that's the case, then it's important to justify mm-hmm. your question to the product, give them a reason as to why you're asking. Then that makes the prospects feel like they're not going to get ambushed. And the only reason why I'm asking, you can do that after the question or you can do that before the question. Like, hey, Mag, I know you're evaluating a bunch of companies. After this, you're probably going to have a bunch of demos and you're going to have to present it. It's probably really annoying. So to make it easier for you, I want to compare and contrast for you what we do good versus what the competitor does good. Mm -hmm. Besides us, who else are you evaluating? You're more likely to give me that information because I've given you a very good reason to tell me.
0: Mm Yeah, absolutely. Breaking down that barrier and just, yeah, kind of like explaining why you're asking um, and, you know, calling that out right from the beginning there too. Cool. I know we could talk about that all day and discovery, um, but we do have time for one more question. Uh, so for sales leaders specifically listening in right now, what's one piece of advice you'd give them when it comes to coaching their team?
1: Um. couple, I mean, one piece of advice, (laughs) (laughs) role play a a lot. There's a difference between listening. Well, I'll give you two pieces of advice because I think these two are really important when you are coaching your salespeople, instead of telling them what they did wrong or what they could improve on, what they did well, ask them to self-assess before you even say anything. Mm. Ask them to self-assess before they, and then they start to think like a coach. They start to coach themselves. And so they, Mm -hmm. they've built this sort of muscle, this coaching muscle on their own. So that's number one. Number two is for, I'll give you three tips. So that's number one. Number two (laughs) is implement role-playing and they don't have to role-play with you. They can role-play, they can find a role-playing partner and do this on a daily because I coach reps and they get it on the coaching call. And then I listen to their call the following week and they completely missed it. Why? Just because they They didn't reinforce the muscle. Yeah, exactly. They didn't Mm -hmm. practice. And so you, the only way to really practice is not to do more meetings, it's to role play. More meetings won't help, it takes away time. So role play more often. And th- it doesn't have to be a 30-minute role play, it should be a 10-minute role play before your call. That's number two. And number three, um, when you are going through your like areas of improvement and what you did well, for every, it's very common for sales leaders to spend a lot of time on area of improvement, like what they didn't do well. But when you're talking about the the salesperson's like, Thing on the call that they did well, like the pros, make sure to hype it up. Don't be like, "Oh yeah, I spent two hours on like errors improvement." Like, "Oh yeah, and you sounded really good the way you asked that question." Anyways, spend a lot, of, hype it up. Like, I love the way you asked that question. It was genius. Like, really hype them up because a lot of times in, sales comes down to obviously skill set, but it's also confidence. If the mm-hmm. rep doesn't feel confident or they have a bad day, nothing's going their way. It just has this compounding effect, and then it affects everything around them. They feel very confident and they left that meeting really happy and excited. They're going to get on a call really happy and excited. It's going to be contagious. And positivity just leads to more positivity. And they close deals and it's a compounding effect. So, make sure. So, those are three tips Um, role play, um, give extreme positive feedback at like insane hype. And then the third one is get them to self assess, coach themselves.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And that self assessing goes into, you know, where they what, might want with their career path later on. So they're like teaching themselves how to coach themselves, but then maybe later on they want to become a sales coach or a sales manager um, to do that too. So it feels like you're not just doing calls every day, getting feedback from your manager and doing the next call. It's like you actually have a say in, in how you felt about it. But um, awesome. I love that. We got two extra pieces of advice from you uh, for sales managers out there. Um, but, and you even use tonality in it too, (laughs) when you're going through it of, so coaches can do that too, when they're actually giving feedback to their, um, to their team. Uh, you know, you did really, really well on that and things like that. So more, thank you so, so much for talking to us about good discovery from bad discovery, what leaders and sales can do to help their team tonality, where can people, find more about your coaching, your tonality coach, um, you know, and just about you in general.
1: Yeah. You can go to my website, demo 2 close.com. If you want uh, one-on-one coaching or group coaching or training, then you can book a, a discovery consultation call. Um, if you want to grab my university, um, which is a yearly subscription, then we do live office hours every two weeks. It'll be every week. Um, and we go through, uh, like deal coaching, deal strategizing, et cetera. That's also on demo2close.com under the courses section. And you can find me on LinkedIn.
0: Sweet. Awesome, Moore. Thank you so, so much for giving us some tips yeah, around for sure. discovery today. And yeah, like Moore said, just go to his website, from demo2close.com, Demo-to-close, excuse man. me. and Or follow him on LinkedIn where you can find his website there too. But thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Shake Sales. And thank you so much again, Moore. Thanks. All right. Bye.